Well, we have made it to another year where, where we get to gather around as family, we get to gather around as a church, we get to gather around as, as Christians to celebrate the birth of the most important person to ever walk this earth. Over the past month, we've been walking through the story of Jesus here at church. Uh, we've been looking at prophecies of, of why he was the Messiah, and we've also been going through the Advent calendar as kind of the stopping points and the main points of each week. We've mentioned that the, the Advent calendar is interesting because each week of this month of December fo- focuses on a certain word. The first one is, is hope. The second one is peace. The third week is joy. And this week is supposed to be love. We think they did this because those four aspects that we, we go through every single week of the month are four aspects that every single person is searching for on a daily and weekly purpose. We see that people are searching for hope. People are searching for peace. People are searching for joy. And people are searching for love in their life. And the month of December is supposed to hit every aspect of those, but not point to our own life and what we want, but point to the fulfillment, which is Christ. See, throughout the journey, we see that all of these lead to this story right here. See, this photo that is about to be hopefully pulled up is the nativity scene. Now, how many of you guys have one of these at your house, or your parents have one at at the house. See, this. there's a bunch of different variations of these. I, I, I asked a bunch of different people if I could actually have one of those on stage, and every single person I asked, were, they were like glass or ceramic. And I'm like, I'm not moving that around because I will break those. But see, we, they come in all shapes and sizes. When you came here on LCA, there was, there was a wooden one that came up that, that fit about uh, 20 yards worth. You have the little ones uh, that are just about two inches big, and you have ones that, are, that take up an entire table, and you have some that sit in the front yards, and you have some that are just graphics like this, but they really do come in all shapes and sizes. When I was in youth ministry, I had a family that had three boys, and every single one of those boys was in my youth group. Uh, we, have, we had an older one and, and two twins, and the mom really loved the nativity scene. She loved setting it up every single year. She loved taking it out of the box. She loved gathering her whole family around it and telling the story of Jesus Christ. But the boys really loved the nativity scene to be accurate. So what they did is they took the wise men and they put them on the other side of the room because the wise men probably didn't show up for maybe a year or two after Jesus was born. And then they would slowly remove some of the animals of this nativity scene because they probably weren't in the Middle East at that time. And then as the, as the weeks and, and it got closer to Christmas, they started to just started messing with their mom. So you started seeing little Star Wars characters kind of pop up in there. And you started seeing superheroes popped up. And you started seeing different types of angels to be, that were starting to pop up because we didn't know what type of angels they were. Maybe they were cherubim with, with wings. Maybe they, they weren't. And the, the whole heavenly host that comes around, we, have, we don't really know what type of angels they were, so they just started gathering things and, and pasting wings and different types of wings all over these things. 
So they started to do that. But it always would get out of control at some point. See, the, the thing around these, this nativity scene is all the memories that we have. But when we look at the, the nativity scene, we look at Mary and Joseph, and we look at the baby, we often forget exactly the stories that led to this beautiful scene, this scene of peace. That there is, a, there is a whole line and stories that happened behind this that led to this beautiful moment of Jesus Christ being born. See, at the book of Matthew, there is something called a genealogy. Now, some of you guys have seen this genealogy, but you immediately just take your, your, your page and just flip it to the next one because there's a bunch of names of people. But this genealogy is something that is a lot different than most. Because in this genealogy, it's basically whose daddy was whose, whose mom was whose kid, and different stuff like that. But there's a section in this, in this genealogy. There are different stories in this genealogy that I think that are very important to understand when we look at this nativity scene. Whenever I was in youth ministry, I would often do something called the untold stories of children's ministry. Like we would tell the story, but, but often there's a story be, around it that's probably a little bit more not so okay for children's ministry. Some of us like to hear those parts of the story. See, in, the, in this genealogy, it, it starts off with the second person talking about Jacob. Now, we, we know this story as Jacob and Esau. You know, Esau being the hairy guy that, that loved to hunt, and he was the manly man. And we had Jacob, who was the mama's boy, who stayed inside and cooked. And we see in this story that Jacob conned his way to being in this genealogy. That Jacob was actually a second born and Esau was supposed to be in this genealogy. So what Jacob did is he, he cooked this massive bowl of stew and when his brother came in, he convinced him to sell his birthright to be the firstborn so that he could be a part of this genealogy. And he went to his dad and he lied to his father to give him and bless him with this birthright. Now, about, I don't know about you, but this story doesn't sound like a story that should be in the genealogy of Jesus, does it? And then you go just like two steps down, and you have this lady named Tamar. Now, now this, is, this is different all around, because normally genealogies don't include the ladies. Mostly it just goes through the, 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 the bloodline of the man, but this story is very, very important. Now, so this, is, this is weird, but Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah. But not just once, she was the daughter-in-law twice to Judah. She married two of Judah's sons. When the first one passed away, he gave her to another one of her sons. And then he passed away, and he promised her that he would find one more son for her, but I think he forgot. So what Tamar decided to do is dress up as one who would sleep around as a prostitute, and she went along her way to the places that Judah liked to hang out with. And shortly after that, she became pregnant with twins. And when, when Judah found out what had happened, he didn't realize that she was the lady he was with. So in this genealogy is the two sons, the twins of Tamar. Now that's a messy story, isn't it? 
That doesn't seem like a story that should be in the perfect Savior's bloodline, does it? And then we have another one I'm going to mention, which is David's story. Now, David was one of the best kings of all time. They wanted another David, but David wasn't a saint, as we know. We all know that that David had a relationship with a lady named Bathsheba. Now, what makes this story sticky was that Bathsheba was already married, and the story, if we go into it, is involved with cheating, involved with scandal, involved with murder. And David and Bathsheba had a son. His name was Solomon. And it was that son, the son that came out of a cheating relationship that passed the genealogy down to the next generation. Actually, that son was, was supposed to and did build God's temple. That's another story that just doesn't seem like it fits in with the perfect Messiah. It's a story that doesn't seem like it fits in with the nativity scene that we look like, that we look at every single Christmas. You have story after story. There's a lot more in there if you want to read the, genera- if you want to read the genealogy. A genealogy that is riddled with sin, that's, that's riddled with brokenness and scandal and rebellion. Oh yeah, the, the Solomon, the guy I mentioned earlier, his son who became king, rebelled against all of God's people and split the kingdom in half. And when you think about this, when you look at the genealogy, there's 14 generations in this that led to Jesus, from Abraham to Jesus. But here's why these stories are so important. Because of what the angels said to the shepherds right after Jesus was born. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is called the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who his favor rests. See, do we believe that last saying today? See, when God entered this picture, he took this jacked up, messed up, sin-driven family for generations and fulfilled it by bringing peace because God's good favor rested on both Mary and Joseph. If God can do it with this family, What makes you think he can't do it with your family as well? If you look at your family from generations to generations, I could bet all of my money it doesn't look anything like Jesus' generation. I bet you you don't have history of murder and scandal and power-driven people like like Jesus' family did. So when I look at the nativity scene, 
when I go into my house and I look at the nativity scene that my father-in-law made for that made me, or I go in my grandmother's house who has this massive nativity scene that took up the entire family, or I go to my in-law's house or my friend's house, I look at a family that was brought peace in this moment. See, Christmas time is a time of celebration. But I know also for some people that it's really difficult. It's hard. It's something that you have to push through sometimes. Sometimes you're just trying to pull it all together for everybody. You're trying to navigate all the different families coming together and all the different meals and all the different gifts. You don't want to leave anybody out. You don't want to cause any drama. But I would like to share with you the true reason of our Christmas. The true reason which brings hope and peace, and joy, and love, all because of this baby. I'm going to ask the band to come back out. See, God in his, saw and looked at his creation and realized after the fall that there is this big, big void between him and his creation. And because he is a just God, because he is perfect in his nature, he could not let that sin just go unpunished. But instead of punishing his entire creation and sending them all to hell, he decided to send a perfect sacrifice, which was his son, Jesus, that took upon all of our sin and justified us freely through that gift. That whoever calls upon Jesus as Savior is looked upon as righteous, is looked upon as holy, and is viewed as blameless, all because of the start of this baby. When I look at the nativity scene, I see peace. I see the greatest gift that, be, that it was given to every single one of us. That if we call upon his name, he enters into our life. And from that point on, he gives us peace in our family. So that's why we come around and we, and we sing this verse over and over and over again. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. God, I pray, I pray in this Christmas season that we find rest in our Creator, that we find rest in our Savior, Jesus Christ, because He has said that He has found favor in every single one of us. And He has shown that through allowing His Son to die on the cross, because He wants a relationship with every single one of you. So God, I want to thank you so much for this Christmas season. God, thank you so much for just another opportunity for us, another year where we can stop and celebrate the greatest gift of all time, which is your son, Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger, who gave peace to this family for generations to come, and has extended that peace to every single one of us. God, I pray in this season that we can extend the peace to other people, we can show peace to other people. But first, I ask and I pray that we can accept that peace today. God, thank you so much for finding favor 
in all of us for taking the punishment and the, and the price and putting it on your son for us. God, you are so good. And I ask this all in your son's name. Amen.